thanks for joining us for another episode of the Appledore Research Podcast. My name is Robert Curran, Consulting Analyst with Appledore. As ever, we're here to share insights on the transformation of telecom in the era of cloud, network automation, and AI. If you enjoyed today's podcast, make sure to follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter. Now, enjoy the show. IBM was one of the earliest innovators in commercializing AI under the brand of Watson. Uh, the name IBM obviously is synonymous with the IT industry. It's also been synonymous with the mainframe infrastructure that's powered the telecom industry for decades. But IBM's role in shaping the future of telecom has been expanding. That ambition was given an extra boost when IBM hired Andrew Coward to head up a new business unit focused on networks. Andrew, we're delayed to have you here today to discuss the convergence of IT and telecom. Uh, and also how I, uh, AI can be applied uh, in the industry. Um, let's cover off a little bit of uh, your personal background, Andrew. How, how did you get into heading up IBM's telco unit? Well, hi, Patrick, and uh, thanks for inviting me to, to the session. Um, yeah, so it's, it's been a really interesting journey. Um, so uh, before I joined IBM, I was running a company called uh, Lumina Networks, and we were focused on delivering SDN control technology um, to telcos using a, a project called Open Daylight. Uh, before that, I'd been in the industry quite a few years, um, Brocade, Juniper, Unisphere, back in the day, Bay Networks. So uh, quite quite, quite a reasonable uh, track record. And um, I think what's been really interesting with IBM is that uh, they recognized that their customers were having really interesting challenges. Um, a lot of those challenges kind of related to migration to the cloud, a lot of them around automation. And so kind of my mission as I joined was really to kind of step up um, IBM's um, product portfolio and through a combination of acquisitions and organic development, kind of really go after a lot of the challenges um, that we see both in telco and in enterprise. And we, I've seen interesting conversion between the convergence between those two um, as well. So that was kind of the uh, the mission as as we started it, and we're two and a half years in now. Excellent. Um, and what one of the uh, one of the things that's interesting, Andrew, is you're straddling uh, both the, in your business both the telecommunications as well as the enterprise verticals. Um, how do you see service providers leveraging automation, uh, and there's been a lot of excitement in this area around AI ops to potentially unlock new opportunities uh, and drive growth in their business. Well, that's right. So if you, if you think about where the revenue growth for telcos is coming from, where it's going to come from, uh, it's predominantly around enterprise and new services and things that are connected to how enterprises need to use networks. And yes, there's a huge com consumer element of that with things like IoT, et cetera. But even those IoT devices are gonna get anchored or need to connect to what essentially are enterprise services. And so we, we kind of recognize this, this the intersection and in play is, is really about how telcos need to bring their enterprise customers into the services and manage the services that their enterprises actually need. How do you manage connectivity for 100,000 users into an IoT type environment, right? How do you um, bring all your branch offices into um, cloud services that are not in the telco world, but they're in AWS, Azure, IBM Cloud, and so on? Um, and so there's a lot of automation 
that really extends from the telco infrastructure all the way to the cloud. Mm -hmm. um, and being able to connect those dots uh, for their customers, actually physically connect those things, not just connect the dots, is, is a really important attribute. And, and frankly, you know, most telcos are doing a, a pretty poor job of that um, and, and not really understanding what enterprises need from their networks right now. Yeah, so would you, so, uh, you know, one of the things, I guess, one of our observations, Andrew, as an industry analyst firm, is that the telcos to some degree are quite a bit behind even what some of the enterprise uh, verticals are doing, both in terms of automation, but also in the area of AI. Um, that's right. Would, would you agree, you know, would you agree that sort of that's, that's the overall assessment? And if so, like, where, where should they be thinking about uh, making their bets. Uh, and, and I'll caveat that with, if you look at the industry, I mean, we've sort of, we see where high bets uh, have been made and they haven't been that successful. So I think you have to weigh that with, um, you know, being somewhat, uh, you know, risk averse, uh, but at the same time, trying to leverage some capabilities, uh, you know, with this newer technology. Yeah, that's right. Um, so I, I think that um, enterprises have really uh, kind of led the way in a lot of AI, but of course, telcos ne tel telco networks are incredibly complicated. And so there's a kind of order of magnitude. Um, you know, if we look at a large enterprise that their network teams might be a couple of hundred people at most, not tens of thousands, right? Um, and so when you run a, a telecom network for a living, then you, you kind of have to, think about AI in different ways. And, and, and you know, most AI that's been applied in enterprises has been for very specific things, you know, image recognition, quality control, process management, and so on, versus the dynamics of how do you manage a, a 5G, 4G, 3G, 2G network all combined and make sure you're delivering the best service end-to-end, -end, you know, th th for each of those customers and each of those requirements, right? It's a very complex challenge. Right. Um, and so kind of biting off small things um, is kind of the approach the telcos have taken. Um, and that's kind of created these little islands of, of AI um, across infrastructure. You know, to the low-hanging fruit part of that, I think um, a lot of the conversations have started out really with how the customer experience and how do you use, you know, chatbots and things like that to answer simple questions like how much do I owe or, you know, why is my my phone connection disconnected and things like that, right? Um, and um, kind of the precursor to speaking to a human. If you think about how AI is trusted in some really interesting settings like the medical world, right? When um, you see a scan, um, we're going to trust AI today to say, you know, whether somebody has heart disease or cancer, etc. Nobody second guesses the AI when it's used there, right? Um, but the Telcos absolutely second guess. You know, it says that I need to, to take these actions. I'm not going to let that happen automatically. I'm going to check that. How did it know that? You know, we, we kind of have this deep kind of questioning about whether we trust that those systems or not. And I, again, I think that speaks to complexity. Um, mm -hmm. but it also speaks to hanging on to, I, I don't trust this yet and I need to learn more. Right. And as I say, I think in, in other industries, they've kind of got past that point. Yeah. Good point. Um, I mean, when you're looking at some of the early deployments, um, and I'll keep this focused uh, around the telecommunication mm. segment, 
um, you know, what are some, what are the, some of the things that you're seeing where uh, you do have some of these green shoots where there are obvious benefits uh, being achieved um, maybe, maybe in specific problem domains uh, or areas of the business that, uh, that haven't, you know, they haven't been possible say, you know, four or five years ago. Well, that's right. So for, for, to start with, um, you know, we've been focused on getting the right sets of information. So you, you can't really make AI decisions about improving reliability or increasing uptime or fixing things dynamically unless you have the right data. Um, and that data comes from lots of different sources um, across the network from all different types of pieces of infrastructure through you know, traditional SNMP, through um, syslog through through um, IP fix and there's, there's a whole plethora of different things so getting that data in and normalizing it um, so that you can just even get to simple things right before you even get to AI it's like how, yeah. how do you how do you process and know that something's broken but once you've got that level of data um, then you can start applying AI at a application or service level and so so one of the things we've been focused on has been looking at applications kind of one by one and saying, okay, well, what constructs an application? Well, we know it consumes these compute resources and we know that it now has load balancers and firewalls in front of them. And so the uptime of that application or service is dependent on what be, might be five or six different elements before you even get to you know, the, the actual routers and switches across the network. Mm -hmm. So if you can bring those things together and say, um, you know, at, for example, on a Friday evening, one out of five load balancers, virtual load balancers fails. Actually, right now, there is no issue with that. Um, yeah, it's a problem because one of them failed. It's not supposed to, but the traffic load isn't significant. Now, here's where AI comes in, because AI can then be used to predict when this is going to be a problem. Now, you and I might say well, it's pretty obvious. People will come in <laughs> into the office on a Monday morning. They'll start doing things. This is going to be a problem come 8 a.m. Well, by using statistics and applying kind of AI around this, we can then say, you know, this needs to be fixed by this time. And of course, we would also suggest this is what you need to do. Now, we could also go one step further in a, what we would call closed loop automation and say, you know, we're going to go ahead and stand up an additional um, virtual compute resource to load another load balancer in and tie it in with these existing resources. So all that is absolutely doable today. How much trust will be placed to do that without a trouble ticket or a human being involved in the middle of that process is kind of where we're at. It's that, you know, are we ready to make those, those, those closed loop decisions right now? Now that's, that's solves for the application example, doing that more greatly at a, at a, you know, a whole network level, um, is slightly more, well, a lot more complicated. Right. And so what you're fi we're finding is that by gaining insights at specific places, choke points or problem areas of the network and, and managing those really, really well, we can influence uptime um, very significantly just by focusing on, you know, where we would typically see the trouble areas, right? Right. Yeah. You're sort of alluding to um, an issue that we see in the industry, and that is um, it's not necessarily a technology deficiency, but more the ability of the organization to embrace some of these technologies. Um, you had mentioned earlier, sort of this trust, you know, trust and right. verify, right? That whole aspect. Um, maybe you can comment a little bit more on, uh, I guess, uh, the progress that the industry is making uh, in the context of even changing the organization 
uh, the organizational structure, right? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think culture has a huge play on it, right? Um, but we, uh, you know, as, as technologists kind of have to, do have to prove that our technology is yeah. right. So my other example with, with medical scans, right? You know, how many operations had to happen um, before somebody said, you know what, this thing is always right or, or seems to be right 99.8% of the time, which is way better than, than, than surgeons are, right? So it, it, it's, that, it's that level of, of, of trust that we need to get to. Um, so once that proof point is there, we, what we're doing on the way, if you like, is setting up all of the places where we want to be able to make decisions. So today, yes, a JIRA ticket is created and somebody has to say, go, I trust that, done, right? What's going to happen is that as those tickets start coming in, it's going to be, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll press OK, press OK, press OK, because I've seen this before. And yeah. now, you know, you'll get to the stage where you go, OK, I'll just let this run, because when I, then this happens, I always trust this, right? And so I, I think that's kind of where we're at. Um, it, it, to get to the next level of, of more, you know, the AI taking control of the whole network end-to-end -end and reconfiguring things dynamically. I, I still, you know, kind of writ large, right? I, I think we're a ways away from that, meaning that we'll get these um, places where we absolutely want to have, have knowledge and insight, where we'll pre be prepared for an automated decision to happen. That's just a no-brainer. Others will be more nuanced and will want to intervene, right? Um, you know, as an example of that, um, well, you know, we talk about systems failing or problems occurring, but you know, there's also attack vectors as well, right? So, if an attack comes into a network, um, a denial of service attack, some of the responses or what the system might be looking for are where you know you, you want the system to respond in a way and stand up more compute deliberately so that you create more chaos, if you like. Mm. So. There's, a, there's that kind of dynamic that you wouldn't see in my healthcare setting of of external actors coming in to, to um, deliberately try and manipulate the system to break. Um, and I, I think folks are very conscious of that and therefore they're looking at the, you know, I, how much automation is too much almost, right? How much AI is too much in this and, and when, when do we need to be able to make decisions? So, you know, decisions one by one, yeah, great, love it for those bigger things like I'm going to reconfigure um, all the edges of my network to shut down this denial of service attack. Well, what impact is that going to have on those services? Do we really understand what that means? Um, so those are the kinds of dynamics that, that, that kind of start to play out. Yeah, those those are good points that you're making, Andrew. I, I want to come back to IBM just in the context of uh, AI. I mean, IBM has been doing this a lot longer than anyone else. Um, I'm curious what you're saying. I mean, there's sort of this, uh, there's, there's a lot of excitement around uh, techniques like generative AI. Uh, but if we, if we just take a wider scope, I mean, you're, you're in a uh, unusual position where um, you're involved uh, both on the R&D side, but also you've made a number of acquisitions in the space right. uh, over the last few years. Uh, maybe you can give us some context of what you see as interesting uh, at, you know, as we get, you know, as we move forward and we're in a very, I guess I would say a more disruptive phase. I mean, we're seeing some very interesting technology make its way into, uh, not only the telcos environments, just the wider market in general. Well, right. That's right. And I think, you know, we've seen that evolution of AI as well. And if you think about the kind of starts of our journey as IBM in AI, it was about recognition, right? Can we recognize something? Can we recognize a pattern? Um, to the famous, 
know, Jeopardy discussion, right? Can we recognize something and come up with an answer, right? Because we, we, we match. Um, we use AI extensively, uh, for example, to identify things during a manufacturing process. Is, is this thing, um, uh, you know, does it meet the quality specifications or not based on picture recognition and things like that? The next phase was the kind of insight, right? Which was, okay, I saw this, therefore this is true. So a combination of things have happened and I now know, hey, the connection between London, New York is broken, not because I've directly seen that, because I've deduced it from, you know, the applications that sit around this that can not, no longer communicate. So that kind of recognition phase. And then, you know, where we spent a lot of time and, and, and where you know, customers are buying our technology today is to get to the next level, which we would say is prediction. Based off these things, I can predict what's going to happen next. Um, I can predict that the service will not be, um, you know, you'll drop 10% of your customer connections um, at eight o'clock on Monday morning because these things have happened. So that predictive nature um, is is kind of really important in, in, in that in that dynamic. Now that speaks to the kind of outcome side of this, um, and then of course there's there's a whole kind of modeling of of how much training is needed within the system and, and how much pre-training do we provide as IBM, um, and, and obviously those models are improving all the time, right? Um, identifying things that are in networks and, and what they typically do and kind of baselining the normal network operation is a, is a really important dynamic. So as we deploy um, AI ops, for example, which is one of our AI based products, um, it, it spends its you know first couple of weeks learning the network and understanding what's normal so that it can um, therefore get to the next level and recognize to um, insight to then predict. And that kind of three-step process um, is is really important in, in, in getting the insights and, and using the live network traffic uh, really creates that dynamic training model uh, because then, of course, we can see when challenges happen, when problems happen in the network and, and, and um, we might not be trusted at that point to make a decision dynamically about what to do, but we will be able to analyze that information really quickly. So the gathering of information, that's likewise, right? So, um, you know, what typically happens in telco networks is that, you know, one thing breaks, but it leads to a cascade of faults and issues that are really hard to diagnose, right? You might have 100, 200, you know, faults come up in a management tool. Well, how do you know which one is the, is the root cause and issue? So getting to that root cause is the, is the first use of AI, that kind of pattern recognition and, and insight. And then the, yeah, and we predict that this will happen next, right? Okay, so all your traffic's rerouted, you know, away from that London to New York link, it's now on a different path. Well, that's great, but you're gonna create these issues as a consequence. Right. Sorry, that was a yeah. long answer to your question, but <laughs> you yeah. see how that plays out, right? You know, a couple of themes that you sort of, um, I think you touched on there. One is, uh, and, and you know, we see this in our research, um, when we look at uh, how to, uh, apply prediction engines uh, to uh, fairly complex problems in the network. Uh, there's quite a bit of activity in and around network optimization. You're seeing a lot of activity around things like energy management uh, and, and uh, sort of uh, managing the uh, energy consumption, if you will. Right. Uh, you have things like uh, network anomaly uh, detection which again, as the network becomes more disaggregated, these problems become much more difficult for 
even the best experts in the telcos to sort of isolate those sort of problems. Um, I'd be interested in, uh, in sort of, you know, just from a collective point of view, when you look at your customer base, where you're seeing the most activity and, and uh, quite frankly, the most promise. Right. Well, I, I'd say it's the holistic kind of end-to-end, how, to, how is this a, a service or application performing and how those things tie together. Um, you know, we as IBM have been in acquisitive mode, acquiring a number of companies, for example, that give us really good insight into CPU utilization, power utilization, um, challenges that, you know, are, are within the compute cluster. Um, but that needs to be tied together with the network performance as well. If you think about an enterprise saying, you know, why is my customer-facing banking application experiencing, you know, a poor experience right now for people on the West Coast of the U.S., right? Well, that's a fairly nuanced problem, right? <laughs> so yeah, yes. understanding that simple question from is it the compute, is it the network? And then if it is the network, well, from where to where, right? And so being able to understand the latency and characteristics, you know, where, where are those things happening? So one of the things we spent a lot of time on it is kind of raising a level up to this kind of application awareness and understanding the performance of that. Because at the end of the day, that's the only thing that matters, right? People don't call into a, you know, the telco the operator and say, I've, I'm experiencing poor latency on, on my 5G phone, right? They say, I can't upload my like pictures to Instagram or, or Snapchat or whatever, right? right. That's, that's the dynamic of it. So understanding what that looks like um, and the impact of service outage around that um, is really the, 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 the information that you'll need to provide to the, end, to the end users through your help desk, but also how the lens through which you need to f- go fix it, right? Very true. Any uh, final thoughts, Andrew, that uh, you think are important in the context of the telecommunication vertical? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a very fluid dynamic space right now. I, I think there's um, there's a lot of uses of the word AI being applied that are simply not AI in the industry. So when you get down to that, okay, well, what model are you using? How is it, how is it really affecting the outcomes of this? It's like this kind of magic dust of AI. So I, I think um, for, for telcos generally, there has to be an understanding of the models that are being used. So, so, okay, you say it's AI there, but what exactly is that process, right? Is it, are you just talking about statistics here? Or are the, what, you know, what models are being applied into my data and how can I see the outcomes from that? Um, as I said earlier, I, I think there's a lot of conversations around understanding the learnings, like how did it know that? And I think we should be more focused on the outcomes versus the knowing. Getting inside that black box um, is um, and, and using models that allow you to get inside that black box actually um, reduces some of the capabilities of AI. So once you get to the point where it, it comes to the right answer, um, it sounds strange to say that you, know, you, sh- you shouldn't care about how it does that, but um, the getting the answers about the how actually detracts from the outcome that AI actually delivers. And um, I, I think that's what we should be focused on. Yep, it, it knows the answer. And I can keep throwing this stuff at it and, it, and it and it gets the answer right, you know, more accurately, way more accurately than humans do pretty much all of the time. Um, and, and that will lead to the levels of trust that we need to deploy AI more widely um, and to really um, drive the uptime and, and uh, performance of, of networks, which is kind of the whole point of doing this, right? 
Andrew, I appreciate your time today. Great conversation. I look forward to speaking with you uh, in person and uh, at the next uh, next major event. Thank you very much. No, thanks, Patrick. I've enjoyed our session. It's been great. You have been listening to the Appledore Research Podcast. Join us next time for more insights and conversation on the transformation of talent.